All right, welcome to Fit for Tomorrow podcast. I'm your host, Austin Hutton, physical therapist. We have with us Coach Anthony Mendoza. He is a San Diego native. He has his bachelor's in social work from Fresno Pacific University. He has his master's in science from Ohio University. He's a D2 baseball player at Fresno Pacific University. He's currently coaching with T3 Warhawks, uh, training and coaching. And in the past, he's coached at high school as well as at John Carroll University. So please help me welcome Anthony Mendoza. I'm really glad to be on. Heard a lot of good things um, about you and and just the organization from players that have, I've sent there. And just really glad to be here. Glad to have you. So basically, um, I've been seeing a few of your athletes, um, obviously baseball players. Uh, the reason that we invited you to kind of chat a little bit is in relation to some of the specific details that you have in regarding to training and mobility that you like to see with your athletes. Go ahead and talk a little bit about what you focus on with your players and athletes and um, kind of what got you to that point in terms of training. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I got into coaching just, just cause I was done playing and I, I got a job at John Carroll and that's what brought me up to Cleveland. And so it was, it was there. I started to learn a deeper level of the game that didn't really understand as a player um, just because I'm locked in on myself, not worried about everyone else. So I really started to just dig in how people move and trying to figure out how I can better people or better my athletes. And um, that came from just my, my life as a whole. That's why I say people. But when it comes to mobility, I started seeing things of just bad hip rotation, bad ankle movement, just a lot of different mobility things. And I got connected with there's a an on-base U, it's, it's TPI type certified, which um, I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, and, but it's more baseball specific and it's this type of movements that we need as baseball players. So I look for a lot of that type of stuff and that allows me to see things that um, other coaches or just players themselves might think is a something that's wrong with their swing to where I can see it as a movement problem. Um, and that allows me to fix it in so many different areas or in different ways. Yeah, the first thing I noticed with um, one of your athletes was the hip mobility piece, um, specifically hip internal rotation. Um, and actually, a couple of the drills that we implement at FIT, the, the athlete was already applying those in their daily routine, just based on a couple of things that you mentioned. So let's talk about hip rotation in regards to baseball swing, where, where in the swing process do you typically think that a hip internal rotation deficit would apply or, or create issues? Um, it, it can come in a lot of different areas, to be honest. So in the load portion, you can, you can have internal rotation into your right hip. Well, I'm a righty. So my right hip, which would be my back hip, um, when you're trying to load into there, um, you can have the internal rotation into the left hip, your front leg, when you're trying to rotate into contact, um, which is what, which also plays external on either side when you're turning out of the other. Um, and those are the two biggest portions, at least for me in hitting. Um, it does play in throwing as well and pitching um, all the same aspects as when you're trying to turn into that. So you definitely need um, the, the internal rotation in the front hip to lead leg block and to be able to maintain your power as you're trying to transfer it through the baseball. 
Um, the great part about what I, which is why I look for it as much is because I don't, I don't consider these end all be all that if you have a limitation that you just can't do it. Um, for me as a coach, that's, that's why I, I love to send my athletes to a physical therapist. Cause I'm not one. I can see that there's an issue. I can't really tell you how to fix it. I can't all, all the stuff that you guys really can. But so when they come back to me, which is why my one athlete, I was asking him, um, I need to know if it is something that is going to get better over time. Cause then that's just something we got to hammer away at. Um, and that they just got to get better at just like being in the gym, being at practice. But if it's something that they physically are just going to have to deal with their entire life and it's something that they can't, I need to find a workaround because there, there are workarounds. Um, the guys on base, you, the, um, the people that I learned it from, the best thing they like to say is they don't believe there's one swing to play baseball. We believe there's one swing for each person and we just have to find it. Yeah. Within the physical therapy realm, biomechanics was focused on for so long. Um, we thought we knew everything there was regarding biomechanics. Then we come to find out that biomechanics don't exactly play out how we thought they did. Um, we used to think that symmetry was important. We used to think that every, you know, each hip is supposed to rotate the same amount as the other hip. And we come to find out that we're essentially asymmetrical in nature. Um, there are people who are symmetrical and have the same amount of rotation on both sides, but that's a good point because you bring someone in, that does have a hip rotation deficit that you see with their swing. Um, you can beat your head against the wall as much as you can for trying to improve that rotation, but maybe it's just not there. So right. then the key is applying other techniques or other strategies to improve that, that bat swing. Um, so typically with, from, from a therapy standpoint, I'd like to focus if I can't get the hip rotation to where I want it is focusing on trunk rotation. So maybe thoracolumbar mobility, because that would also get you that rotation momentum that you that you'd utilize for a swing as well. Um, so going into that, who is a staple, like an you know a staple baseball player, whether majors or or college, that you would say ex exemplifies a really good rotational swing? Who who is someone that if you were if you were to show it, a new athlete or a new baseball player, who would who would you who would you? That's a really hard question for me specifically to answer. Um, Cause so the way I, the way I coach it is very individualized. So I honestly look at a lot of my players and I try to, I, what I call, I comp them to certain players. Um, so the, the player, you know, the most um, like I wouldn't consider him Aaron judge. Like I wouldn't consider him Mookie best, like Mookie Beck's like, um, mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of who the player is of who I'm trying to show wrote Mookie Betts has outstanding hip shoulder separation mm -hmm. and his mobility. He's just one of those that you can just do that. <laughs> Not everyone can. And that's, that, that's why it's hard, but I, I would say Mookie Betts is great. Mike Trout's rotation is really good. Um, you have to be at that level. And I think that's why if you look at it, some of them end up in a smally different position. Their foot might be a little bit more open. Foot might be a little bit more closed. Um, they might be leaned over a certain way. They started differently. And that's to create that maximal rotation for said player. Um, but natural just turn, I would say bets or trout. I actually know those names. So that's a good thing. Um, 
So would you say that Mookie Betts then does he have an unorthodox swing for how efficient he is at separating shoulder versus hip? So it's I wouldn't hard to apply that. I wouldn't say, or, or maybe you can say unorthodox, but yeah. not too much. It's it's for me in terms of that aspect of the turn, he just has that mobility almost to perfection. And yeah. from or granted, I can't really see his mobility, but from what I'm able to see, it just looks purely smooth like there's no issues to where other guys you can see they comp they're compromising somewhere um to make up for that and um unorthodox wise like john carl stanton um the way he stands and closes himself off like all the athlete we know he there's no shot if he closes his foot he's not rotating into that left hip um like Giancarlo stanton can so that's a really good example of of that compromise and unorthodox type swing mm -hmm. that other athletes can't do. Okay. Good example. Um, so let's say you get a new athlete, um, brand new that you just met in your program. Uh, kind of take me through, you know, a couple of things that you would look at initially, um, whether you're using, um, you know, some use just a template format, but you kind of more open-minded about watching someone swing for the first time, kind of take us through, yeah, the first couple of things that you would analyze with with a an athlete swing and and how you to assess that. Yeah, so when when they first come in, they go through an on base U movement assessment, which is what you saw as well, mm -hmm. and that tells me how well they're moving anywhere from their ankles, their hips, their wrists, their shoulders. Um, there is a pitching one as well that I don't really I don't really work with pitchers, so I don't use that one. Um, and that, and that just allows me to see deeper into their body and allows me to see, okay, if we find a problem here in their swing, this is probably why. Um, and then after that, I, I also take batted ball data, um, which is either off a of Rapsodo type, it's called Rapsodo or hit tracks where the ball is hit, the machine reads the ball and it tells you exactly where it went in game, how much spin was on the ball, all those kinds of things. And then, I take swing data, which is, uh, I don't have it here with me, but it's just a, a device I put right on the end of their bat. Um, and it just tracks how their bat is moving, their bat path, how fast they're rotating um, and other things like that. So then I put it all together and just based off what I've seen, I take video for sure every other lesson, if not every lesson on majority of my athletes and I translate it and I spend time looking at, at those and I calculate between the movement how their ball's moving, how their bat's moving, um, the results that we're trying to get and just put all the data together and I calculate it from there on where we need to go. Um, visually, I, I love to start from the ground. We need a foundation um, and that's where we got to start. And then I kind of work my way up from there based on physical movement deficiencies. Okay. Yeah, that was, it was very interesting to see the assessment that you had sent over to me for um, a couple of those athletes, um, in, in specifics, kind of like you said, from the ground up, you're kind of going, you're knocking off each box and, and kind of discussing at each joint or each, each area, what can be worked on. Um, and from a PT, um, rehab standpoint, uh, that's huge because we basically have sort of highlighted areas that we need to look at first. Cause you, you know, you bring in someone for their first assessment from a therapy standpoint, um, you only have so much time in that first session. And so if you have highlighted areas that you can, that you can pinpoint initially to look for some areas of opportunity, that's, that's huge. So from a, 
PT standpoint, so you send someone to get assessed for possible uh, rehab needs. What, um, so you already kind of touched on it, you know, in terms of, is this fixable? Are we able to improve this area or do we need to find potential compensatory strategies with the athlete? Um, kind of highlight maybe a couple more things that you would like to see and feedback from that therapist when they send them back. Um, so it, feedback wise, I, a more great, like, that's why being able to talk to you was really great because that, that just gave me more information rather than, you know, they come in and they're like, oh yeah, he literally told me, he's like, oh, my therapist said it's going to get better. Cool. That's all I really need to know. But, yeah. um, so I mean, I obviously can't tell where things are coming from. I can see you have bad hip internal rotation. Don't really know why. Um, so like feedback on why would be a great, great thing. Or if there's things that I can do, um, I am trying to, I, I don't have like strength certifications or things like that. I do know what I know from myself. Um, I know what I know from, um, trying to help people as I grow, as I'm growing in my personal growth. Um, so things like that to where I can connect it. So that's kind of why having, I was trying to tell you um, on the phone, like that connection between a therapist, a coach, a strength coach, mm -hmm. and put it all together can build a real plan for an athlete. And that feedback for me, because that's the way I coach, is I want to provide everything, not, not necessarily just for me. I want you to be able to wake up in the morning as an athlete look at your day and know this is what I need to do to get better mobility wise. This is what I need to do to work on my swing. This is what I need to eat. This is, and it's just functionally individually planned for that person to be performing at their best level. Um, any feedback to, to that really would really work from that aspect. So on, on to another topic related to, preparing for a season and preparing to get better. And so you mentioned strength training, um, like a strength coach. What would you say in regards to types of lifts or areas of the body that should be focused on for an athlete for let's stick with hitting, let's stick with, with bat swing speed, um, you know, types of lifts or, or areas of focus in regards to strength training hamstring or rdls hamstrings um deadlifts are all great explosive type movements especially because we we use the lower half so much um things that i mean and it's all the typical type stuff so things that that are normally not talked about in terms especially for rotational athletes i think is is ground force type movements uh, um to really to to feel their ground transfer and that would come with less weight. That would come with more explosive type, uh, quick, fast twitch type movements. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like that's implemented enough. There's a lot of med ball type rotational things that I use to try to help athletes learn how to generate power. So those are great. The back, back muscles are always important. Um, I feel to, to just be able to counterbalance the weight of the bat as you're rotating and to be able to control your core. Um, your core is important. Um, I like to call it the big muscles, especially when I'm working with a young athlete, like use your big muscles. Um, they're there for a reason and we got to use them to where they like to use their forearms and their wrists, especially the little athletes. Exactly. Yeah. So the big muscles are great things for me to try to, to try to tell athletes. Cause even, you know, the teenagers, 
even college kids, they, they don't want to truly lift and do what it takes to, to put that aspect into their body. Um, the serious ones do, even those ones take those off a little bit. So we kind of talked about it a little bit on the phone. Um, so kind of a background of, of something that I studied, and this was actually not my idea, but it was my, um, my final kind of thesis project for, uh, for my bachelor's degree, um, was actually related to bat swing velocity. So that was kind of one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you a little bit further, um, on this topic, but essentially what we did and we, we kind of came up with a theory because it was kind of, we had a discussion about the, the weighted donut, the weighted bat, um, and the on-deck circle. And there was an article, um, I'm actually in the process of trying to find it. I've been digging at it all day and can't really find the article, but it actually didn't refute the use of a donut. It just kind of brought it into question on whether or not it actually increases bat swing. And so the study that we did was we, um, we essentially took a number of baseball athletes. We, we implemented a upper body, a core, a lower body, um, two minute warm up, and then it was on separate days. And we actually filmed, um, from an aerial view and then we used a logger pro system, which is like a physics app to apply or to measure angular momentum on the swing. We had them against the pitching machine. And essentially we would measure pre and post swing to see what would actually increase bat swing the most. And we actually found that hip, um, so lower body hip warm up and the on-deck circle actually increased bat swing velocity the most. And somewhat, we found a slight decrease in bat swing velocity with use of the weighted bat. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it, I know it's not, you know, I think we had like a a, a subject pool of, of six athletes at the time, because that's all we could, yeah. could find. But you only had a limited amount of time to do the study. But right. there, are, so there are articles out there related to lower body. But in relation to that, what, what's your thoughts? So I kind of did like a similar study um, and everything you're talking about blast motion is what I use that bat, that bat piece. And it kind of tracks all that same thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, one of the most important things I love to look for when I'm looking at that data is rotational acceleration. So that, that speaks to like very similar types um, thing we're talking about. And I did the study with toe spacers oh, wow. with, um, between your toes mm -hmm. and I put I had athletes put them on and I was testing to see how if they would hit the ball harder and all those kind of different things and if they were wearing the toe spacers they did hit it harder now I, I couldn't run like a full study so out of a few athletes it did mm -hmm. but in terms of the bat donut I I'm I'm a component of using a bigger bat and a more heavy bat I don't care what age you are um I used a bigger bat and it's more so not to it is to develop lower body power generation and that's what i use it for um i see way too many kids using a light bat and all they use is their arms and when you put a donut on a light bat and they don't know how to really use their body they're just going to use their arms with a heavier bat and they're going to exhaust themselves a little bit and that's why you'll see the decrease personally i feel and then if you find the athlete or you teach them that knows how to generate power from the ground use their body the right way engage their legs and their core a heavier bat's actually going to move a little bit better because they're engaging more and that's why the donut i feel is 
is is beneficial because if you know how to actually feel it the right way and and feel is the word that's most important to me when I'm coaching because if you can't feel it anything I say doesn't matter um because at the end of the day you have to do the job I can keep standing there and telling you but in the game you got to perform and if you can't feel how to engage your your hamstrings and your core and your back to turn the barrel you're just going to be using your upper body and it's just going to drag and and lag through the zone and be slower. So going off of that as well. So I forget what the average on deck circle time is for how much time you actually have, but so would you, would you have the thought that if lower body engagement is, is key is instead of using, and now obviously there's the timing piece, watching a pitcher, watching right. pitchers, you know, their, their rhythm, because every pitcher is a little different, right? Um, you know, watching and timing up your swing with the pitcher, but what about something such as lunges, lateral lunges, squats, and the on-deck circle? Is there room for that? Is that a possibility, or would you rather your athlete be using timing and, and watching a pitcher? In, in, in that aspect of preparing for, I'd rather him be, at that, at that point, it's kind of just like the coaching side of why I say you, they need to feel it. Mm-hmm. At that point, <laughs> well, there's, you got a minute until you have to hit we're not really going to improve anything um that's why the barrels to try to they use the heavy bat to try to loosen up the fill of the barrel so when you do start to rotate what you're feeling a minute later is actually lighter in your hands um and that's why the the weight is there um but the main focus while they're on deck is to be getting through the movements they need to to mentally prepare to to be there so i i would prefer my athletes doing that now I do have plans, um, and like structures. So like my on deck hitter is working on timing. My, my in the hole hitter is working on pitch sequence and, and reading the pitcher and trying to figure out if there's, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, habit into whatever he's, to what he's pitching there. The guy in, who on fourth is going through visualization. So I have guys ready to perform Mm -hmm. in kind of in that situation um so yeah i mean i i think there's a place for it i I don't think it's right in the on deck circle but the way i coach i I definitely think there would be a place to get that going if there's proven stats that a certain movement that's not going to over exhaust them is going to get them prepared better yeah Yeah, i like that thought because just like basketball you know, at any other sport where it requires like a, like a free throw, right? There's that psychological mental component to performing what you need to do. Um, so it's more important of what's mentally going to prepare the athlete to succeed in that moment. Um, you know, there is the, the physical component, but you should have been warming up prior to the game as is, right? You should be, right. you should be loose. You should be in the blood flow should be in the legs. Um, so what is mentally going to prepare the athlete to succeed? Um, I guess an off-topic question. So what do you think about the new um, pitcher clock? I can't stand it. I mean. <laughs> it's it's odd. I was watching a little bit baseball with, the, player. Uh, with the Guardians. So. There's so many, like, well-known former baseball players who wouldn't be able to play baseball in today's game. Absolutely. For that exact reason we were just talking about, so it's off-topic but not, yeah. Um, yeah. that the mental side, like, all so much of that is mental. The, whatever guys do, I, I loved it. I was bringing up um, Nomar Garcia Parra's. He had a glove routine that just was like, 
five minutes long every time. Mm -hmm. And like, there's no shot. He's in the box when the clock hits nine, like today. (laughs) Um, And I'm sure he doesn't hit as well if he's not going through that routine. Cause if for him, if you watch it, it was literally the same thing, every single pitch, it never changed. And that's not, that's not something he's just doing. That's not, that's routine. He knows that's going to keep him locked in and ready to go. And today's game is going to, it's going to quicken that up now as, as a fan who now has a kid and, and honestly doesn't watch baseball as much because I work in it full time. So when I'm off, I want to be away from it. I'm sure I'll enjoy the games a little bit quicker, but the baseball in me doesn't enjoy it much. Yeah, I feel like they're trying to speed up the game. They're trying to make it faster. And I feel like, okay, maybe maybe there's the potential for increasing your audience and expanding it. But I feel like then you're you're losing the ones that have been watching it their entire lives because part of the game is those routines, um, that tradition, um, you know, that kind of the speed of the game can be slow or fast. You know, now you're almost forcing the hand for the speed to be faster in the game, which is going to take a lot of the unique aspects of baseball away. So I thought that was, um, you know, something to kind of talk about. Now, going forward, so where can um, anyone interested in what you do in your training, um, where can anyone find more information, um, whether it's website or social media, is there anything that, that we can find more information regarding your training? Um, for me, my Instagram is AM, my initials, Anthony Mendoza, and then baseball after it. So AM baseball. Um, that's pretty much where I post everything. I have a link on there that, that can book lessons. Um, I do private coaching for fitness as well. Um, and that's more so mindset, nutrition based. Um, and, that, and that's for my athletes as well, um, to make sure that they're, they're functioning on high levels. So that's pretty much it. My Instagram is a big place. Twitter. I have it's coach a Mendoza. I hop in there every once in a while. Um, that's what I need to get a little bit better at. Yes, that's my Instagram right there. Here's, uh, wow. here's the Instagram page. Uh, as he was talking about, he's got a little link tree down below um, and categories as well to kind of see some of the reels and the highlights of different things he's working on. Um, so AM Baseball, uh, definitely check out this Instagram page. Um, I actually was was looking at it a couple days ago. Some really good stuff on here. Yeah, thank um, you. Yeah, I've... I've really worked on just trying to provide as much value as I can. And, and that's what I do for, for, for one, my players, um, but also their parents. So I, I post a lot of parent stuff because um, that changed my life being a dad and it made me a better coach. It made me a better person. So that, that is a, that is my why um, that is my purpose behind everything. So I share a lot of parenting stuff. I share a lot of, dad stuff I obviously share a lot of baseball stuff um fitness stuff because I got I was 225 pounds before I had my son and now I weigh 154 and I'm in a bulk so I'm working um what uh, so myself. what was your strategy what was your main strategy for uh getting back in shape uh from 225 to 190 just eating less uh <laughs> I, w- I would still eat bad uh I was moving more but I would st- I would still be on the couch lazy I uh, basically would go to Subway, not literally only Subway, but I would get a six inch instead of a 12 inch pretty much every, anywhere I would go mm-hmm. uh, for food. Um, and then from 190 when I in October to literally now to 155, um, it was 
just tracking everything and it's not so much eating perfectly clean it's i'm i know what i need to eat for my numbers macro wise protein cal uh carbs and fats and i don't go over it some days i do a little bit um consistency is the key discipline is the key for me um it's kind of just like working out you can miss a workout day if you do it a month then you're going to get weaker if you just do it once every month then you're probably going to be fine still maintain strength um still going to be a good athlete you just have to consistently show up in every area. All right. Well, this is our time with uh, Coach Anthony Mendoza. Like I said, please uh, check out his Instagram page, AM Baseball, um, and also check out his website link at the bottom. Got a lot of cool information, different categories, fatherhood, being an athlete, being a baseball player, training. Make sure to check it out. Uh, I'm your host, Austin Hutton, physical therapist. And please check out our website, fitforfunction.com, for physical therapy needs and a lot of also cool links to mobility, uh, recovery, and just health overall. Thank you, Anthony. Awesome. Thank you, Austin. Yeah, continue to do what you're doing for these players because they we we as Americans need to move, and what you do is important. So thank you. Thank you. All right, man.